Welcome to the This Will Get Better podcast. You'll have to excuse me, I'm a little bit sick, so this might sound super nasally, um, but it's good to be in your ear holes again. Um, this Will Get Better podcast, it's a collection of conversations with people uh, who are starting their own thing and the journey of making it better and them themselves becoming better. We do this around a series of evolving questions and conversations that we have in my back porch and you'll be getting a snapshot of a maker or creator in the early years of doing their thing. And hopefully along the way, you'll be picking up some big picture strategies as well as some practical in the detail tips for moving forward in your thing. So yeah, that's what we do. This week we have Lydia. She has a, an amazing story. Lots of amazing stories, actually, as you were about to hear. Um, one of the ones that I think is uh, a pretty ear-catching is that just a year ago, she was down to 95 pounds due to some sickness, could basically eat uh, nothing, sometimes drink nothing, based on being allergic to corn, and corn being literally uh, part of the, the water cleansing process. So <laughs> she was in some trouble, and now this year she's getting ready to move out of country, and uh, she's setting up structures and um, processes that will allow her to work remote while beginning a life in a totally new place. So uh, I think there's going to be a lot to, to learn from her in your thing. Uh, she is a, here's, here's her stuff, man. Here's the list. And it's a list. And I'm excited <laughs> to share it with you. She's a piano instructor, which is how um, we first got connected with her. Uh, you can find that on Facebook at Gifted Ear Music Studio and giftedearmusicstudio.com. She's a coach for a few different niches. You can find a taste of her work uh, for that at a happy place today or on Instagram at Liddy the Life Coach, and that's L I D I. And she has her own podcast, which, is, yeah people who have podcasts i love it uh dialectical pod which is a podcast where they um they look for words that are words in other languages and try to explain them to us this uh american language people english english that's the word uh it's pretty funny and informative at the same time so after a couple of interactions with Lydia and hearing about her through uh, Kate and Kate's interactions with her, I've seen such a genuine desire from her to really help people move forward. Uh, she's intentional about her life and seems to really enjoy laughing. And man, Lydia, thanks so much for coming on. And I really hope in the future we can get to know each other and, uh, and the families more. And I hope you'll come back on. Uh, she's so worth following, guys, so go find her at one of those spots. Uh, details and links are in the show notes. Um, I hope at least like 50 of you go find her and, and are enriched and better off for it. Um, what else? Oh, this episode we introduce a new co-host, and I hope she becomes a regular and you get to know her because whenever she and I get into a room or in a room with a, a person or a couple of different people, the conversation just gets so good. And, and so please welcome Kate to the podcast and give her some love so that she just wants to keep coming back more and more. Um, yeah, next week we're going to be listening to Joe Wetzel talk about his recent startup and car detailing. I don't know. I think that's it. Um, thanks, for, thanks for checking this out and listening, and I hope uh, you get lots out of this conversation with Lydia. Enjoy. It's the This Will Get Better podcast special guest host today. Hi. Hello. Who are you? Oh, just somebody. <laughs> it's Kate Daniels. 
I'm so excited to have her on the podcast. I hope she gets to guest host a lot more times. Um, We'll see how this time goes and (laughs) then decide. I might decide like never again will Kate be on the podcast. Nope, not at all. Uh, We have some really good conversations. We love sitting down with people and just diving into their stories together. I think it's a real natural fit, so I'm excited about that. And today we're interviewing somebody that you're actually more connected to um, than I have been, which is fun. Um, Yeah. This is Lydia. Hi, (laughs) y'all. Hi, y'all. Which I do want to dive in. You have your own podcast. I do. It's called Dialectable. Dialectable. It's all about words that don't exist in English, but exist in other languages. Look at that. You have like a pitch and a real concise. That's great. Uh, It's very funny. I've... I've loved listening to it. It's so. pretty goofy. Yeah. It's good stuff. Um, Lydia and Kate, how do you guys, how'd you guys meet? We met at a piano pedagogy seminar in Ohio. A peta. Mm-hmm. Piano <laughs> pedagogy. What's that word? <laughs> Kate, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> Just the, I guess the study and understanding of teaching piano, teaching the instrument. So there's like music education, um, you know, done in schools or just learning foundational stuff. And then I guess more in how and what how to's of piano teaching. Mm-hmm. Okay. And all the different theories. And pedagogy. It's mm-hmm. a degree. Piano pedagogy degree too. Oh, yeah. You can get a degree in it. Yep. Amazing. So you met at a piano conference. Yes. You we were it. both learning yeah. more about... Uh, Piano, piano pedagogy. It was kind of a crazy <laughs> weekend. Um, we met at the it end. It rained a lot. Do you yeah. remember that? And actually on the way to my Airbnb, um, this is like midnight, right? And we're driving there. And Amanda, my friend, who's also a piano teacher, and I were driving along and, um, you know, on Google Maps, it has the pin. And we're like, okay, we're almost there. It's just in the middle of nowhere, right? Um, and so I pulled in and then we're like, wait, it's actually like not there. So we had to keep going. And so then I had to turn around. And in order to do that, we got so stuck in the mud that we couldn't get my car out. And so we ended up having to leave it there all night. We just like left a note on there saying like, we're sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, here's our number. Although it didn't work anyway, because there was no service there, you know, we're in the middle of nowhere. And so we ended up having to walk up a hill, you know, at midnight, just two girls. Um, (laughs) It was great. Strange. We back were able to get unstuck, just us two. Nice. Um, yeah. The next day. The next day, we were covered in mud. We had to like just do as much cleaning as we could on the way to the pedagogy seminar <laughs> the first day. Like, great way to <laughs> hey, meet everybody. everyone. Yeah. We're really yep. sophisticated. Yeah. <laughs> in yes. piano. That's You're just amazing. playing in the mud first. Mm. <laughs> so that was just earlier this year, um, back at the beginning of summer. And we actually started talking at the end of it, got to know each other a little bit more. And we're like, we want to know more about each other. So yeah, contacted you or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And we've been, That's cool. been friends ever since. Yay. Yeah. And working together too, in the yeah. sense that she, um, well, is coaching and had already gone through these steps of growing her piano business and on the business side of things and a lot of things that I was interested in doing and could learn from her and she was willing to pass that on and help me in those steps. So um, she's been working with me the last six months. That's awesome. In the yeah, coaching aspect and on the business side. Okay. What is working with, with you look like? Coaching sessions, um, coming up with goals. Okay. Mm-hmm. Accomplishing those goals and nice reconnecting. Cool. 
That's like a monthly mm-hmm. check-in. At first we were doing bi-weekly and, and now we're doing monthly. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. I've tried to intentionally not know a lot about it because I was hoping to interview you some point. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know a ton. I'm excited That's to good. learn about some of that. Uh, what are some of the things that you, Lydia, are interested in? What kind of oh. captures your curiosity? Oh, okay. Um, I'm interested in life just in general. Yeah. Um, so many things. So I'm going to start with music. I love music, always have. Um, when I was very young, I learned how to sing parts, like seven or eight. And um, I was the friend who taught my other friends how to sing parts. <laughs> yes. um, and then we started singing at um, different events and funerals and weddings and whatnot. Um, and so I've always loved singing. And I have played the piano since I was five. Um and then, so I just really love music. I um, had a job out in Yellowstone whenever I was 19. And unfortunately, there was no piano there. And so um, I got really depressed because I needed my music. Um, so my friend had her guitar there. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, to learn. learn. And I had tried one time before. Um, but that F, man. Mm-hmm. You know, like, <laughs> I got to that. I'm like, oh, this is so hard. Nope, this not doing this. <laughs> um, but when I was stuck without a piano, I... Um, Yeah, so I I learned how to play guitar um, in Yellowstone, which was an experience. And so now I play the piano guitar and and I love singing. Um, So music is a huge part of my life. And um, the biggest part of my life is people. I um, have just always loved people and helping people in um, lots of different ways. So I use it in my music and in music instruction. I love um, having clients who come in who really don't think that they're musical um, and they, you know, they tell me, Lydia, like, you know, yeah, sure. You can be my, my, uh, piano teacher, but I don't think I'm ever going to be able to really play. And I love having clients like that because oh, I'm yeah. like, oh, right. Um, and then have them playing within the next, you know, few months. And then, um, so yeah, I just love helping people in any way possible. That's you know? so cool. That's so cool. So you, the client who says I can't, but is still willing to, to work, to with work. You. Yes. Um, so taking people's, you know, stories that they tell themselves and like the negative ones and flipping them around. Yeah. Um, like I had mentioned, I worked in Yellowstone and I worked as a guest service agent. Um, so in the middle of Yellowstone, you have these places that they're staying and they're just old, right? But people have to pay a lot of money for them. And so we had a lot of people that came in um to stay in these places and they would get really mad at me, of course, because I'm the one who's giving them the key and I'm the one that is representing Yellowstone. Um, and I loved that job so much um, because I got this opportunity to take people's really negative time where they're like mm-hmm. yelling at your face and <laughs> show them a way to, you know, give them something that allowed them to leave happy. Um, so, yeah, I would say um helping people to recreate their story that they're telling themselves. Yeah. That is what I'm really passionate about mm-hmm. in any way to do that. So through um, learning more through podcasts and reading books and meeting people and other coaches and that type of thing. Yep, That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely. So that's kind of your main piece is helping people mm-hmm. change their story. Yes. Or self-narrative. Yes, they're self-narrative. Okay. You got it. That's cool. Yeah. Um, asking this because it's before you said you were open to it. So hit me with, what are the two or three moments or experiences from your life that you feel like if you wanted a stranger to really get a good sense of who is Lydia, 
here's the couple of stories you need to hear. Okay. Um, oh man. So I'm trying to become more vulnerable in my life and it's, it's a difficult thing <laughs> to share, you know? Totally. Um, but I feel like this question. Especially it, when I haven't demonstrated any vulnerability to begin with. <laughs> um, but this question kind of, yeah, you have to be vulnerable. So I'm going to go back to um, my childhood. I came from um, a family of four and my dad was an entrepreneur and um, he had some really great times. And then, you know, um, the market crashed and his business kind of went downhill. Um, And so we really struggled financially. And um, in the family, I kind of played this role of um, helper. Like I was the helper around with my mom and um, I helped raise my two younger sisters and um, and in that, I ended up having a lot more responsibility than one probably should have at a young age. Like I was the child who like when my friends would come over and we'd have sleepovers, I would talk to them about um, like, OK, tonight, let's like clean the house while mom is sleeping so that when, you know, she wakes up, the whole house is clean. And I like posed it as like, OK, we're going to be like Mary Poppins. And so it was a fun game for them. But I was doing it to try to like gain my mom's approval or like make her happy. So I started doing that like more and more. And then um, I think like at first it was sort of just this thing that I did to make her happy, but then it was something that was kind of expected of me um, from a very young age. And so when I was 11 years old, I had, um, I crashed essentially. And um, it was pretty, pretty dramatic. My parents, um, they, at first they, they didn't know what to do. So they took me to um, our good friends. Um, They have a 600 acre farm and my dad took off work, which was like unheard of for him. Like growing up, he wasn't around a lot because he worked so much. Um, So this was a big, yeah, it was a big deal. And um, this family, friend that we stayed with they like this family had known my family very well and so um they kind of from the outside were able to look in and say like hey um you guys are asking way too much of Mm. of Lydia and this is why this is happening and um they pretty much sat down with my parents and talked to them and just explained like someone at this age should not have this responsibility and um and so I would say that was the point in my life where I started to emotionally I still had a lot of responsibility but like physically I wasn't doing as much around but I like to tell that story because I feel like it really formed who I am like in the sense that I think every negative experience that we go through if you look at it um really well you can find a lot of positive things um and there Mm -hmm. are certain negative things that happen to us because of things that we've done, but then there are other things that just like the universe kind of puts in our life, um, to help us to grow. Yeah. And in this situation, like it was completely out of my control. Um, but I feel like now I, I am more of a helper and like, that's Mm -hmm. kind of my role in, in life. And of course I have learned so much about boundaries and about, you know, not taking on too much and things that I didn't understand then. Um, but yeah, that experience has definitely, um, helped create who I am today. Um, so there's that. And, um, I ask a a follow up on that? Yeah, of course. What, what does a, an 11 year old kind of hit in a breaking point look like or feel like? Yeah. So for myself, I, um, I had OCD. So I started spiraling out of control and um, there's, oh man, I have the hardest, the hardest time saying this word. So I'm sorry if I mess it up, but it's like scrupulosity, but it's OCD revolving around like God and like worrying that you're going to be saved. So like as 11 year old, I was stuck in prayer or like stuck, like wondering if I was going to be okay. Um, So that's what that looked like. Yeah. And I don't have that today. Like, right. 
obviously I think every single person has different um, things that we tend to go towards. Like some of us are more anxious. Some of us are more obsessive. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was all kind of like a product of just the pressure I think that I was under. That's something that's so close to like core identity. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. That's intense. It was crazy. Yeah. So, okay. Um, And then when I was 16, I decided that I really wanted to learn Spanish. And um, so we had one of our preachers that I had known a little bit, not well, um, went to Argentina um, to preach. And so I wrote him a letter. Well, actually it was an email. And I asked him if he knew of any families out there that I could go stay with. And I was homeschooled by the way. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yay. Homeschooling. (laughs) (laughs) So I ended up going out to Argentina. It was so funny because this one guy that I uh, was friends with, he told me, he's like, Lydia, just so you know, when you get there, like people over there don't usually have pianos. So you most likely won't have a piano. And that was a big deal for me. But I'm like, you know what? I really want to learn Spanish, yeah. and it definitely felt like the next step. So I went out there, and guess what? The host family, the mother, was a piano instructor, and she had went to college wow. like for—it wasn't piano pedagogy, but it was something similar. So um, yeah. it was perfect. I actually had piano lessons in Spanish, and I like oh, learned through nice. the solfege way. So like, solfege. yeah, that was pretty awesome. Um, and then getting back from Argentina— um, I had a really good friend who we had been talking and, you know, I'm 16, so whatever. I wasn't like super serious, but I, I liked him a lot, you know. Yeah. Um, and actually he um, had, he drowned. And I'm Whoa. sorry, I just sort of like threw that out there. And um, oh, it's, yeah, it was quite, quite traumatic. And I would say wow. that that would be my second thing. And it yep. kind of goes in from Argentina because that was like Argentina was the um, time in my life where I feel like I created my independence, you know, and then going from that within like a few months of getting back. And like, while I was in Argentina, I talked to this guy and then getting back and then like actually getting to see him in person and, um, and then like talking Mm. and stuff. And then, um, potential. Yeah. And so my, and actually Mm. it was very, very hard. Um, my, my brother, And um, this guy and some other friends um, decided to go camping. So they're out there um, camping. And um, one of the guys that was with my brother, he, um, well, they were swimming. And um, and the guy started, like, he thought that he was drowning. But later, um, we were, we actually went there that night of when he drowned. Um, And the paramedic said that the the guy, his name is Ben, so I'll just use his name. Um, They said that when he went in the water, because it was so cold, his muscles like kind of yeah like tension and so it made him feel like he was drowning so then jonathan which was the guy that i was talking to um because ben was he was like help me help me i'm drowning so then he went in to help ben um and he died and my brother so that night my family were all sleeping on the trampoline that night and um and out of the nowhere my one of i think it was my mom started this is like 11 p.m and none of us could sleep. And so she just started seeing this hymn. And there's this line, it's like, God is here um, amongst his people, even in tears mm. we sow. Mm. And so while she's singing, we get this call and my brother, and he's like, oh, we can't find Jonathan. And so at that point, um, the family, we like jumped in the car and we had to go to Jonathan's parents' house and get them and then go to the scene. And so we were there like all night. So Um, that was probably the next thing that was like, it was just very, it came out of nowhere. Um, and I think it really from a 
pretty young age, I mean, seven, 16, 17, um, it taught me that <clears throat> life is so fragile and yeah. we don't know when our last day will be, you know, and you always hear that and you're like, yeah, yeah. But like when something like that happens, like you were so it. close to someone and then boom, they're gone. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, that, that was, that was another one. Oh, and my, do you have a question? Do you have a question? <laughs> I always do, but um, Go ahead. what, uh, what does it look like for you in years? Since? So how old are you now? I'm 25. 25. Um, yeah. What have the last, like. How fast can you do math? <laughs> chunk of years. <laughs> Homeschooled in another way. <laughs> um, yeah. The. The process of, so it sounded like there was potential there. There was like this connection. Yeah. Uh, just the the grief process, the letting go, the honoring this person yep. who is meaningful to you. What is that? How do you? How does that look? Yeah. How does it look? I guess my question might be a combo of like, what does grief and process yeah. and grief look like? Slash, how do you honor a life that is past? Mm -hmm. So I think that every single person is going to grieve differently. Um, and, um, for me, I think I just recently started learning about how a healthy processing of grief looks. Um, I was one as a child who did not like to cry and I thought that it was like kind of bad to cry. And so I didn't let myself cry growing up, um, until like within the last couple of years. Um, and so now that I kind of actually have a, a, healthy process of how grieving looks. Um, yeah, I think sometimes it hits you and it's just like, you know, you're like, wow, it's been eight years, like stop already. But then you can't, you need to just like let it happen. And I think in order to get beyond experiences, you have to go through them. And so many of us, like I, myself included, we don't like that, you know, yeah. especially like Americans. We, we don't like things that like we don't understand and we don't like grief. We don't like talking about it. Um, and I think even like when you're talking with someone who has lost a family member or a good friend, like it's okay to say like, I'm so sorry. And there aren't always words for that, but mm -hmm. just like acknowledging that you don't understand, but like you, you love them. And, you know, and I think, um, for myself, yeah, just realizing that it's okay. Like sometimes I still miss Jonathan incredibly a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, and it will just hit you, you know? Um, but then just like letting that happen and realizing that, um, this is just all, it's a process, you know, it's, it's a process. Yeah. So. Dude, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, of course. That's amazing. Yep. Did you have a third? Yeah. So, um, okay. I just told you about how I didn't understand how to process for a while. Um, <laughs> I had a big, um, hard <laughs> knock in life that really taught me about that. Um, and that was last year. So, um, back whenever I was 18, 19, I started getting really sick and, um, I was down to 95 pounds. Um, and I became severely allergic to corn. And when I say severely, I carried around an EpiPen. I only had to go to the hospital one time. And that was because at the time I was nannying and I was, um, I took the kids to this church retreat and it was in the middle of a cornfield. Bad idea. <laughs> and I ended up having an asthma attack and wow. ended up in the hospital from that. Um, but like, so I couldn't have everything in our world, or at least the mm -hmm. Western world is made out of corn. I know <laughs> like water has corn because they put a little bit of cornstarch in water, um, to like mix with the chlorine what? to clean the water. Yeah. And it's such a minuscule amount, but it bothered me. So I had to buy all my water from Whole Foods. I had to buy spring water. Um, and Whoa. 
yeah, I couldn't drink out of the sink, which was scary sometimes when I'd like be at the rock climbing gym, rock climbing. And then I'm like, oh snap, I forgot my water. Mm. And you just have to go without, you know? Um, And I couldn't eat out anymore because salt has dextrose, which is a corn sugar. So, I mean, it was a very, very traumatic um, change. And then most vegetables have, you know, are are sprayed with pesticides that contain a minuscule amount of corn. Um, And so I had to like go to the farmer's market and Whole Foods, oh my goodness, it was so expensive. My poor mm-hmm. husband. <laughs> Can I just mention that at this phase in my life, I am so thankful to have been married to someone um, who was so caring and wow. helpful to me in this moment, you know, in this phase of my life, because I think I, I definitely needed a lot in that time of my life. And looking back, I'm just so thankful that he was always there Beautiful. helping me. Yeah. But anyway, so... Um, I went to lots of different doctors and um, all of the medical doctors told me the same thing. I had different blood tests done and everything. And they told me that because my allergy was so severe, I would have it for the rest of my life. This one day I decided I had heard a podcast about um, just really like believing that um, you can achieve something and then like really putting a lot of energy there and that um, like the manifestation. And so I decided to do that. And I wrote on a sticky note, I wrote, I do not have corn allergies. Hmm. And I put it on my mirror and I started looking at it every single day. And um, within a month from that, I heard about this lady who lived in Missouri. Um, my aunt Barb lives in Missouri and she got help. She, My aunt was allergic to gluten for 15 years and this lady reversed that. And at this point, Whoa. I'm like, you know what? I want to try it. I First Anything. of all, I like yeah. went online and I did lots of research. It's called NAET if you guys are in- interested. Um, there are lots of Nate practitioners kind of all over the country. Um, and so I did a lot of research online and honestly, like half of the stuff was like super like this is wacky and this didn't work and, you know, all that stuff. And then the other half was like, this was amazing. It helped my son or, you know, so like I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. So I did. And um, so I get out there and I honestly didn't have any idea what to expect. And um, <laughs> I had seven sessions with this lady. And in the very first session, she sits me down. It was over. I think I was there for over two hours. And she went through my per whole session. life. No, this is just the first session. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so um, she wanted to know like all of the negative things that happened to me throughout my life. So I told her and um, <laughs> two hours. Um, <laughs> so, <right. laughs> yeah. Um, and then she's like, did anything happen to you when you were like 19? Because that's when it started really yeah. hardcore. Um, and I'm like, yeah, no, everything was great. Life was great. And she's like, and then she asked me if this specific thing had happened to me. Like Whoa. she she just asked blatantly, did did this happen to you? And I like, of course, got chills. And I'm like, <laughs> actually, yeah. But it was so traumatic in that wow. moment um, that I had blocked it from my memory. Totally. Yeah. Pushing it out. I had pushed it so out that I had forgotten that it existed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when she brought that up, then I realized, like I didn't even see the connection. Man. But my emotional state was so connected to my physical state yeah and i had no idea because i was just going forward and honestly like i always had this thought like in my mind like ain't nobody got time for that you know and just went forward and um i actually used optimism as a cover to not process yes there's a version of optimism that is just coping yeah it's not actually being hopeful or Mm-hmm. No, about life. no. Man. and I didn't realize that. And so honestly, I think that is what really um, pushed me into 
like learning about processing and I have um, just appreciated like in my own life seeing this like 180 and like mm. how happy I am now. And I've honestly in my life never been this happy. And it's all because I've learned how to process. And if I had learned about that when I was younger, I, I think I would have done it. Now, maybe I just wouldn't have been in the right place. Um, but I want to be someone who advocates processing and helping people to learn how to, you know, process through these traumatic experiences that have happened. And which is why I now am doing life coaching, which Dang. is helping people to recreate that story. Dang. When yeah. did you start that journey? I started that um, this year, actually. Okay. Yeah. 2018. Nice. Like yep. uh, in January, February? Mm -hmm. February. Okay. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Dang. Those are three amazing moments. Thank, well, thank you. you. That's incredible. Yeah. When you're 95 pounds a year ago, mm -hmm. what, what are kind of some of the, what's the emotional language about how you're feeling about yourself in that space? Oh man. Um, well, honestly, I felt like my whole body was rejecting me mm -hmm. because I couldn't eat anything without um, getting covered in canker sores and just feeling sick. And, um, and so, yeah, and also being so skinny was very, it was an insecure feeling. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. Yep. And then you're super happy right now. Yes. What other? <laughs> I'm also 125 pounds, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is the most I've ever been. Man. <laughs> Probably should stop eating the donuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, I didn't tell you that part. So um, this is the third session with this lady, third day that I've been working with her in Missouri. Um, she tells me, she's like, Lydia, I think you can have corn. And I'm like, what? what? You know, for the last year. And what it's scary. It's this? a really scary feeling after being so allergic to something that your throat starts swelling up when you eat it. And I'm like, mm. okay. So I had my EpiPen there. I was prepared. And I'm like, okay, well, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die eating a donut. <laughs> and so, <laughs> That's the good way to I, go I really out. Did. I, I brought a donut in. Okay. Yep. It was a cream filled, just in case you guys are wondering. Mm -hmm. You got a good one. But yeah, it was delicious. The donut that might kill me. And it didn't. I'm That's, here to tell the story. Here. So, yeah. <laughs> that is And amazing. the second thing I ate was fried chicken. Yeah. I'm such Get a healthy person. <laughs> <laughs> fried chicken yep. donut. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is incredible. Uh, these sessions, how long were you out there with her then? I was there for seven days. Okay. Yep. Those were daily and sessions. Each session, usually, yep. A daily session. So you walk um, in. It's like 40 to 60 minutes. Okay. You walk mm -hmm. in, you're like, my body hates me. Mm -hmm. You walk out. Yeah. And you're like, I'm good. Yeah, exactly. And what the world. <laughs> I know. A lot of it was therapy. Like it was talking through mm -hmm. um, you know, emotional triggers and and really like I had mentioned earlier how important it is to not just like walk around a situation but walk through it. Um so I had been walking through it and um she taught me how to walk. I'm sorry, I had been walking around it and she taught me how to walk through it. Yeah. And I would say that was the biggest thing. And now there were some physical aspects to the sessions and I honestly don't know how that worked wow. um, but she does like different like tapping and, and different things yeah, to yeah, just yeah. kind of help this. like it's like a more of a physical manifestation of what you're doing emotionally in clearing so mm -hmm. um, a lot of times we need something physical tangible to do yep to represent what we're doing emotionally oh that makes so much sense so, there's a yeah. I'm, I still am in some psychotherapy and I often I'm just like I wish at the end there was like a five minute 
massage. Mm. <laughs> you're like, and now this is just going to represent the work you've just done. Yes, I think everything needs massage <laughs> yeah. at the end. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. oh, we should have a massage after this <laughs> yeah, podcast. Right. Let's go get coffee Kate? and then yes, give each I other can... massages. I'm just kidding. Yeah, right. I do like to do that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Um, so a little while ago you said that you learned she helped you learn how to process and that being the most important thing. And that's why you're doing the work you're doing because yes. you want people to know how to process the traumatic things or just life in general. Is it just mm. the day-to-day stuff too? That's a very good question. Um, yeah. And- so a lot of times it's, it is the day-to-day things that we um, neglect to process and they build up. Yeah. They build up. And then sometimes like that big thing that happens for you might be totally different than me. And your big thing could be something that like because your day-to-day stuff like kind of built up for so long, that one thing that really isn't that big happened. But for you, your body like responded to it in a traumatic yeah. way and couldn't take anymore. Mm. Yeah. So just helping people to to process through the day-to-day. Yep. Um, do you – so she taught you how to do that. By taking you through it. And then is that something you're able to, do you still see yourself needing to go to a therapist or do you feel like, I mean, that was an intense, you know, Mm -hmm. week of in-depth processing where people can take months or years, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And spread out. I totally know what you mean. Yes. So I think, honestly, I think everyone should have a coach or therapist. And right currently, um, I, since, uh, you know, February in delving into this world of coaching Um, I have done a lot of networking and I have two coaches that we trade back Mm. and forth and that's been really good. So, and it also is, you know, cost effective. Right. So, um, one, he's a business coach, so he's doing business coaching with me and then I'm doing life coaching with him. And then the other lady, she is a life coach and she's also an energy healer. And so we trade back and forth. We do energy on each other. And then we also do like life coaching with each other so i think honestly if you know in the position to be able to do that i think everyone could benefit from having someone even if if you can't financially afford a coach have a friend that you you know are able to kind of coach back and forth yeah yeah um the word energy can be scary to some folks so like what do you mean unpack that for me okay so um everything and everyone has energy right um and i'm gonna first i'm gonna talk about words because i think um words carry a lot of energy and the more aware we are of this the more that we can recreate our life so that it's the best um so oh man how to describe energy well um so you walk in the room and you've had a bad day, right? Yeah. So the energy or the, the part of you that we can't see that is kind of holding on to that you not having a bad day, like we can feel that, right? You can't see it, but you can feel it. So that would be a good way of thinking about energy. Um, everyone has an energy and um, maybe your energy that you are kind of giving off right now, it's not all attached to you. It could some of it could be you had a conversation with your cousin yesterday and some bad news was said. And so then, you know, you're carrying that with you. And so I'm feeling energy from your cousin that you're carrying with you. Yeah. You know, so that's like energy. Yeah. And food has energy. Like you think of alkal- alkaline stuff, right? Like that has a very high vibrating energy. And the more of it that you eat, the healthier your body will be, right? Um, and then like acidic foods have a very low vibrating energy. So... Like you eat a lot of, um, a lot of meat and a lot of like 
sugar all the time, then you're probably going to end up sick. You want to balance, right? Oh. So, and you have to know, <laughs> you have to have some low vibrating energy to meat and to, sugar. I thought that was an ideal diet. <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> to be the bearer of bad news. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. And then another quick follow up on that. What is energy work? Energy work. Ooh. Um, or what is it to you? What is it to me? Oh, this is going to take a minute. So you're going to have to cut. It's <laughs> quite all um, right. And if it's too broad, it's, we can. Yeah, I'm trying to think of how, how to describe energy work to someone who's never um, had energy work. Um, okay, so earlier I had mentioned like the tapping, right? Like how you tap as you're kind of clearing. And I would say um, energy work is the same way. It's sort of like um, me connecting to your energy as you are talking to me. And um, together we're able to kind of help you to process through your different emotional situations, um, but in a physical way. So yeah. like I am physically feeling your energy as you're talking to me. And so it's sort of mm -hmm. like the pair of us would be able to unpack a lot of different things in a very helpful way so that you can leave feeling like you're in a higher vibrating energy okay. so that you're happier. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. So it's almost like if I were to notice that I'm having a looping thought or a looping emotion that mm -hmm. I just keep bouncing back to over and over again, like yes. energy work might be a thing that exactly. I pursue. Exactly. Yep. Mm -hmm. Or if you are like feeling really unmotivated, Mm -hmm. Like, and just sort of, um, almost like towards depressed feeling, yeah. um, then energy work could help you to get on a higher energy level. Right. Yeah. I like. Yeah. Um, all right. So then early this year, February, you start the life coaching journey. What does that look like? Where are you at in that? Trying right. to build a business around it? I am. Now I have just really started delving into that, um, over the last few months, um, I have some clients and like I mentioned before, I'm coaching with some different coaches, which has been really helpful. I hired my own coach in the process, which has been extremely helpful. Um, I hired a business coach and, um, yeah. So something that I don't think I've mentioned on here, my husband and I are currently getting ready to make a big move to Paraguay, Asuncion Paraguay, which is South America. Amazing. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. And um, I've been so focused on my music business and um, kind of as we're getting ready to move, I have had to figure out a way to make all of this remote um, because up until recently I've had 30 to 40 students and I've been teaching you know, at my house for the most part. I have a few, a handful of students that I teach remotely, but most of them come in. And so um, over the last few months I have started looking for teachers and recently I finally found a really good one in the Cary area and I hired him. Um, and so he has taken over some of my, um, in-person students and then coming back from the holidays, I'm going to be just teaching remotely, which means that I will have a lot more time to put into my business as a coach. Um, so I'm, I am doing some different coaching sessions with different clients and every client is going to be so totally different. And I like to approach it the same way I approach my piano lessons. Some piano instructors, when they teach, they have a specific thing that they do with each student. 
And for me, I don't feel like that's the best approach for myself. Um, I think that every student is going to be different. And in the same way, I think each um, coaching client is going to be different as well. So I have kind of like your broad coaching sessions, like I do creative coaching with um, different people who are creatives and would like to have session with someone who is also creative. Um, And then I have like helping people through processing as another coaching session. And then I do like business coaching, like what Kate and I have been Mm -hmm. doing together. Um, But yeah, I would say that even with that, it's pretty broad and each um, session is so individualized depending on what the client needs. Cool. So then, oh, go for it. Oh, you can ask your question first. Um, So the business piece of it, um, what is the, what's your hope for what it ends up looking Mm. like? My goal? Um, Oh, like, okay. Sorry. I, at first I'm like, I thought that you meant the business coaching, like whenever I'm business coaching with people, is that what? No, no, more so just you personally. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, okay. So I would absolutely love like with my life, this is life coaching, not my piano business. Um, with my life coaching, I would love to set up a team of other coaches who all have specific different things that they offer. Um, you hear of different wellness centers. I want to do something like that, but online. Um, yeah. yeah. So that would be my goal. And then um, bring in clients and perhaps have um, different sessions. Like one client might like to see three of the coaches, you know, within one bundle of sessions. Um, and then there might be a client where I'm like, okay, this coach is, you know, specific to what you need. Um, I think the biggest thing for me that I've learned in the last year is the more that I can collaborate with other people, yeah. the more beautiful my business is. Right. And taking myself out of the picture and just bringing in, you know, and that yeah. is kind of my goal. That's amazing. So, yeah. And then right now in that process, how close are you to that? Um, ooh, I'm closer than I was yesterday. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I have a lot of coaches um, as friends who I think would be great for the program. I have not started to um, go down that road yet. I'm kind of waiting to go to Paraguay. And then once we get yeah. settled there, kind of delve into that. Another thing that I'd like to do is to start a coaching podcast. And yep. that is a lot closer. I want to start doing that very soon. Yeah. Um, I think that would be really nice. So and cool. I'd like to, you hear a lot of times, you know, coaches interviewing other coaches and other people in the wellness field. What I would like to do in my podcast is I would like to interview clients so that people can understand how coaching sessions work. So many people, when they find out I'm a life coach, they're like, oh, wow. So you think you have your life figured out well enough to coach Coach others? others, (laughs) Like, No, that's not what it means at all. (laughs) So I just want to kind of give people, you know. I have two coaches. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to help them to see into yeah. like what coaching sessions would look like and to learn from that's cool. Yeah. So yeah, I was going to ask you what it was going to look like. Are you going to be talking to other coaches or clients? clients? Yeah, yeah, I'd like to do clients, and I also want to do letters. Okay. Um, like I want to have people send, send in them. letters and then and like talk through those. Brainstorm okay. around them. That's really fun. My favorite podcast still right now is uh, "Where Shall We Begin" by Esther Perel. Mm. And she is a therapist, mm-hmm. a couples therapist, and she does that. Like the couples can come in and get a free, however long the session ends up being with her. Oh, that's so but cool. it's got to be recorded mm-hmm. and then published. And it's like I like weep. 
Yeah. <laughs> during this thing. Ooh, I'm looking forward to looking that up. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun one. Yeah, but I love cool. the idea of of doing that live mm, yeah. or, you know, capturing a session and hopefully exposing yeah, people to that's it. that's my goal. This it. is a little bit off track, but Kate, what is your favorite podcast? Hmm. I'll tell you mine while you think. Um, <laughs> okay. Mine would be the <coughs> Tim Ferriss podcast. Mm, so um, the Tim Ferriss show. I think yeah, it's Tim what Ferriss it's called. Show. Yep. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Listen to every episode. That's amazing. It's so great. I, I was with him since day one till about a year ago mm. and then I stopped listening to it. Yeah. Like you lot. know what's great is you can actually make your podcast go in fast speed. I know it. It's so wonderful. Always listen at 2x. Yep. I do, I do 5x. Oh, geez. Yeah. 5x. I do. Whoa. Yep. It took me a little while to get there, but yeah. Get your ear to follow yep. the thought line. Just kind of like gradually like speed up like uh -huh. increments. You got it. So yep. Cool. And now I have to one. watch myself when I'm talking because I'm like, I listen to podcasts all the time, right? I wish I had your cadence when it oh. comes to speaking. It's really, really? good. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Like, I want to talk that. <laughs> I want to have thoughts flow that fast. That's beautiful. Mm. So that's a good thing. Well, you should see in my head. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's definitely not that organized. We've lost 90% yeah. of the thoughts you've had. <laughs> Essentially, yes. <laughs> oh, um, oh, that leads me to something else. I've been thinking a lot about the fact that <coughs> thoughts create yeah. and words create. Um, mm. And so even like on the way here, I was getting nervous. And I'm like, I'm nervous. And then I'm like, wait, thoughts create. And if mm. I'm nervous and I walk in, then I'm going to be nervous when I speak. And so then I'm like, no, I'm excited. Yeah. Because if you think about it, being excited and being nervous, you so they're this, like the same things happen in your body when you're excited as when you're nervous. So if yep. you can just approach life like that. But I feel like nervousness kind of like can shut you down or pull you inward, you know, versus excitement, excitement. where you're a little bit more open. Yes, most definitely. Yeah. So that's helpful. Um, currently, podcast-wise, I've... The last couple months kind of fell behind. Um, oh, but this will get better podcast. No. <laughs> I'm behind on that. Um, the one I'm currently speaking on. Um, but Mindful Mama, I like to, uh, yeah, I'm not up to date, but even if I can just jump in at any time. So uh, on the parenting subject, but it also just always deals with personal stuff first. And mm -hmm. I found it really helpful. Um and then Tim Topham, his um, mm -hmm. his podcast oh, with I piano love Tim teaching. Topham. So for any of you guys who are musicians or piano teachers, look up Tim Topham. Yeah. Yes. And then the liturgists were up oh, there. Oh, that's good. But I'm really behind. But I I can't wait to get back into it yeah. and catch up. Um, I was going to ask a question. If that's I don't know where you're going to take it, but um, you already brought up your piano business, and mm -hmm. you were asking about life coach business, but you've already created a business before this one. Mm -hmm. And so I was just curious in hearing more about that, how it started. Yeah. Um, what seed? I mean, yeah. you're already into music. Yep. And, uh, okay. So let me go back a little while. Um, when I graduated from high school in 2011, um, in my mind, I thought, okay, I'm going to go into massage therapy because I love massage therapy. And um, so, and a lot of that goes along with like the energy work and, and such. Um, and so then... There was a family that was like two hours from our house and they asked me if I could nanny for them for a year and just save money. And I'm like, you know what? Actually, I will do that for a year and then I will go into massage therapy. 
So I did that. And um, while I was nannying for this family, there was another family that was good friends with this family that I nannied for. And they lived in Michigan. And they had um, something happen. The mother was on bed rest um, after having three children, I guess, too close together. Um, And so the fourth one kind of sent her to bed rest for a few months and she really needed help. And the family that I was nannying for, they were like, Lydia, is there any way you could go out there? Cause we don't need you as much as she does. Yeah. Um, and so I ended up doing that. And then from that point, people started hearing about that. I was this traveling nanny. And so <laughs> I started getting these calls from all of these different people. Like I nannied this one family whose mother, um, she had pneumonia, walking pneumonia, and the son had just had surgery. And then um, my craziest job was the family in Missouri. And that's the one that kind of ties me to the piano. Okay. Um, and they had six children. They accidentally got pregnant with the last two. They were twins. And so just having so many children. And in addition to that, um, they homeschooled all of their children. They lived on a farm. The father had his own business. The mother helped the father with her business. So I ended up um, not only nannying, but I also like made the meals and I helped homeschool. And it was it was an intense <laughs> little while there. Um, and wow. one of the girls took piano and she um, took piano with a certain method um, that I had started out teaching. Um, and so <sighs> I went with her to one of her piano lessons and the lady uh, met me and heard that I played the piano and wanted to hear me play. And then um, as we talked, she's like, Lydia, you have to get into this method. You have to, you should teach. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, piano, piano teaching. Nah. Um, but then, <laughs> and I think part of that was like my mom, I knew her, like she was a piano, piano teacher, um, but like not in the same sense. It wasn't like her main business. She just did it on the side. And I guess that kind of turned me off a little bit of it, um, from it. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And um, so then coming back and then um, I got married in 2015. And after I got married, I just couldn't stop thinking about what this lady had said that I should maybe pursue piano lessons. Like it just wouldn't wow. stop like going through my mind. It was like the universe was just trying to tell me you need to do this. And honestly, I did not want to do it. I was like, I've always been a little bit of a feminist and I've, I, in my own mind, I'm like, I want to do something like more, like, I don't know. I want to help the world in a better way than just in uh, now. I realize that that was such a silly thought because, um, you can help the world in whatever you do. Oh, yeah. It's all your intention. And I realize that now. Um, and so I started my studio in, um, early 2016. And, um, when I started, um, at the first four months, very slow going. I had 10 to 12 students. Um, and I was getting really, I'm like, I put so much into like the marketing and I, I jumped into like Google AdWords and I'm like, Oh, it's not going as far as I want it to go. And I really, my goal for myself was 40 students. So, um, in a year, in a year. Yeah. And I actually was able to hit it. Oh, that's Um, awesome. So that was great. But like the first four months I'm like, what have I done? <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I was able to hit 40 students. So it was like, it was probably a few months after a year, but it was like within a year mm-hmm. and a few months. Um, and so it was actually in the teaching that my students, I found that I started having a lot of adult students. Like when you looked at the majority of my students, they were all adults. And, um, and then at first I was like, this must just be normal. But then I started joining different um, groups online and I realized that most people don't have adults. Like this was something I think that it was just my niche. Yeah. Um, and in the teaching, they started asking me a lot about um, coaching. And I actually had multiple adults who were like, Lydia, can we do 
a coaching session today instead of teaching. And that is actually what got me thinking like, okay, there's, there must be something here, you know, if Mm -hmm. I keep thinking about that. And so, um, and that was also right around the time, like my corn allergy and stuff. So then I, um, I went through a program and got certified as a life coach. And so I love um, intertwining the coaching with teaching. It's like the best thing. And I think part of that is because when you're in this um, environment (coughs) with adults um, and they are learning something new and a lot of adults haven't learned for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And so um, because of this, it's very difficult to be vulnerable and to be in this learning place. Um, And so, and they do become vulnerable and things come out in their life. And as they're working on the piano and like they're working through these different things and these, you know, um, in order for them to like get to the next level in their piano playing, they have to get beyond these different stories that they've told themselves about different things. Um, And so, yeah, I found that coaching kind of just started happening in the piano Mm -hmm. lessons. Um, Sorry, that was kind of a long-winded answer. That's cool. That, uh, go ahead. Oh, and I was just going to say, and any adults out there <laughs> uh, <right. laughs> interested in taking lessons, uh, she's not in this area, but I she teach teaches remotely. remotely Remote. So it's an option. Yes. It's interesting. Two for one. Teaching adults, even so when I've done guitar or like I'm helping a, a friend record their audio book right now and they, <clears throat> when an adult makes a mistake in something that I think so many of us end up putting ourselves we build a life around not messing up. Mm. And we internalize mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can we just stay there for a minute? <laughs> sure. Like talk about mistakes mm-hmm. because I think like especially for business owners out there and entrepreneurs, like you have to get really comfortable making mistakes awesome. like over and over. And um, when I started out as a music instructor, you could ask my husband, like the first few times that a student came to me and said you know we've decided to stop taking piano lessons like I bawled my (laughs) eyes out I'm like what have I done and you know Ryan he is the best I'm so thankful for him and he's just like Lydia like you know not everyone you know not every shoe is gonna fit you and it's the same way with you know students and everything like that and um and even some students who you know maybe maybe you do make mistakes like maybe it is you that the reason that they left which probably isn't but even if it was like you've learned something from it Mm -hmm. you know and there's something to take away it will make you better at the end of the day Um, but yeah I think learning how to just get back up over and over is like one of the, resilience is one of the yeah. best things for business owners. Right. You have to become good at that Hold and on. taking away the ego oh, and it, that helps you, you know, <laughs> in learning how to get back up when you just take out the ego. Yeah. Uh, I think part mm-hmm. of it too is some sort of balance. I'm not sure which word is right, but like the teaching of guitar or piano or whatever to an adult it's almost like there's a lack of either self-compassion or self-empathy mm-hmm. um, in that space. I don't yeah. even know necessarily what the, how to flesh how those to, two out. Oh, so I love um, like thinking of empathy. Okay, so earlier I had talked about energies and how like different words have different energies. So empathy, in order to have empathy towards someone, you have to get down to their level, right? So that's a very low vibrating energy. And mm. you always think of empathy as a good thing, right? Like... Mm. Normally, like sympathy and empathy, like you think of empathy as a really good thing. But like if you think about it in order to have empathy, you have to. So a lot of times when you have empathy towards someone and you leave them, you feel 
very drained. You right. feel sad because in order to help them, you had to get down mm. to their level. Um, but compassion, um, I feel like compassion is a very high vibrating energy. So when you go into a situation and um, within compassion, there's empathy, but there's also boundaries. And I think that's what sets it apart from empathy. So it's like learning how to to bring boundaries in with your empathy, and that creates compassion, and that allows you to help someone while still being on this higher vibrating energy. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, at least in the stuff that I am hearing or seeing or pursuing, like the word empathy seems to be the buzzword or the one that's like more popular right now. As like something worth pursuing and mm-hmm. getting, but with that definition, it kind of creates a little bit of a nuance. Yeah, well, and well. also I think it depends on the person because I am someone who I am an empath. So if I bring empathy in wherever I go and I don't have those boundaries, then it's going to create like when I was a child and I, you know, did you a lot around the house, on. I took on so much. And so being able to have these boundaries with that empathy, then it's yeah. it's safe. Yeah. Yeah. A safe environment. That's, um, yeah. yeah. That's worth considering, I think. <laughs> yeah. Man. Um, oh, uh, I have a question for you guys. Ooh. So you both um, are musicians and you work in that field. So starting a business around that, has that made you um, more apt to performing and playing and improvising when you're not working or has that actually taken away from that being your like your thing to go to Mm -hmm. that's interesting I don't think I've created a business um so like I like the way you're talking about coaching right and what does it mean for you to create a coaching Mm -hmm. business immediately you start talking about well I want three or four different coaches we're going to offer different things and yeah Mm -hmm. oh that's a business like Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's a network of people working together to create and deliver something I think for myself, my it's not, it's a, I created a job, mm, you know, mm-hmm. where like there's one person doing the work and there's an outcome that's attached to me. Um, and so when I hear like in the creating a business thing, I'm, like, I'm not so sure how much, but that's not really the question, right? Your question was, give it to me again. I that was good I, insight though. Um, so like for myself, if I've had a really busy day teaching piano, um, sometimes I, and this seems kind of silly that I would still go to the piano, but I will, I'll go to the piano and I'll improvise. And it's a way for me to clear. I was always afraid that when I started teaching and I'd work hours and hours, you know, um, that I wouldn't love it. So my question is with that being your job, you know, during the day, do you still love performing on your own as much or do you see it? Is it still tied to your job? I think I like it more. I think Mm -hmm. I like it more now. And I, I think without that job, I don't think I would probably still be playing because there's been times where it's just brought me right back to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if it's, if it's super clear cut. There's definitely times where it's like, okay, I definitely am not going to play guitar tonight because yeah. I just did eight students and, right. and I'm ready to be done. Um, but overall, it's always inspiring to ask kids, like, what do you want to learn? What songs are really hitting you? And like, let's do it. And then they start showing you music that you never listened to because you grew up in a super sheltered <laughs> environment. And you're like, wait, what? This is amazing. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know this is a song. I want to learn this song and play it. And so it is, mm-hmm. it's been a way for me to actually fall a little bit more in love with music, hearing, mm-hmm. hearing kids' favorite songs via whatever their parents listen to, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I don't know. I think it makes me like guitar more. more. Um, 
that like, being said, I think I'm like I feel like this. Like I think I need to be done doing the teaching thing. Yeah. As often or as much, I need to lighten that load because there's too many other things going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, I love the idea of doing it. <laughs> yes, it's just not fitting. Yeah. 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 As well, yeah. it's not. What about you? Um, it's just changed over time. I think it helped me. I think when I originally started teaching. Um, and then so much music was attached to our job when we first got married and we were working at a church and we were playing the music and performing a lot more. Um, it just like kind of went hand in hand and they kind of fed each other. And, um, then I think with life transitions and after kids and just having so much more responsibility and less time, um, I didn't have... Yeah, I don't know if it was because just because it was the business, you know, and, and music that it took away. I, I'm grateful because it kept me connected to it. Mm-hmm. And um, but really then just on my own skill level <laughs> and enjoyment mm-hmm. and passion for it, um, I had stopped putting that time in for me and just enjoying it myself. Yeah. Um, part of it had to do with not having an instrument here that was suited for that i mean there's a piano over there but it's broken and and it looks nice but (laughs) you can plan it but you don't have a pedal that's true it's like i don't want to play it (laughs) um so that also played a part and um so yeah becoming aware of that and that's something that i wanted to do and um yeah you get inspired through your students and then just by teaching just having that hunger like I want to know more mm-hmm. I want to be a better teacher so true. um and so it, it just kind of fluctuates back and forth y'all if you ever want to get really good at something try teaching it yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true it is the, uh, and you also learn how much you don't know <laughs> and if you want to become even anything. better at it make sure that you're teaching adults because they ask so many questions <laughs> I know it and that's that's one thing I've noticed like I get way better if there's an adult in the yep. room that I'm supposed to be teaching because yeah. like actually they care a lot. Yeah. I mean, they're putting money into this, you know, right. whereas a lot of times children, they care. Right. Yep. Um, yeah. But it's yeah. not as much of themselves invested because exactly. you know, parents are, yeah. Kind of mm-hmm. like, I think I almost meeting. get inspired more so from, uh, like if I have eight lessons in a day and none of the kids have practiced that creates in me a sense of like, now that I'm thinking about it, like I don't, end up being inspired to practice mm-hmm. but what's inspiring is like someone getting good at something so yes. even a six-year-old figuring out how to play the imperial march and last week he didn't know it and now he does you're like i want to do that <laughs> you know, yeah in my own way that's kind of what's been inspiring too that is hmm. yeah did we answer your question you did yeah okay. that was did great it, yeah yep. did it take yeah did it take away or did it like It sounds like it it has added. It has. Yeah. No, I feel like it has definitely enhanced. There are times when I think um, as a musician and a piano instructor that it's important to have a balance and Mm. which is one of the reasons why I'm so thankful that I'm going down this life coaching um, route. Well, for many reasons, but um, a big reason is it does help balance out my life (laughs) um, because it's so easy for us to become very like one track minded or Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's our passion and we love it so much. So of course we're going to put a lot into it. Um, and that leads me to boundaries, like setting up boundaries, even, I don't know if you guys, I'd love to hear, um, your thoughts on this, but for myself, I'm someone who I'm a very driven person and, um, 
like if I want to like escape life, I will go into my work. So I'll like dive mm. in even more deeper, deeper into my work. Um, but sometimes that's very unhealthy and it's really important to have that balance at home. Um, and so I've done a few different things. Like one of the things that I do is I have taken off my work email on my phone and I try really hard not to use my phone for anything work related. Mm. Um, and even like in my house, like I try to go into the piano room to, you know, yeah, doing piano. It's a little bit harder with the life coaching. It's actually, I'm going to just say it's a lot harder because I get really, um, like emotionally involved with my clients and, um, yeah, totally. So just learning like the boundaries there and, yep. Yep. And sometimes in the short term, you're like, Oh, you know, this, this is hard. And I feel bad that I'm not answering these people, um, you know, on the weekend, but in the long term, like you're going to actually help them so much more because you're going to have more to give when you are able to create those boundaries. Way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the, the common phrases that I end up hearing from a lot of people who pursued life coaching and using that in the past tense is like sales was too hard. So I'm mm-hmm. out. Uh, we just heard this phrase last night. Right? Like Somebody ended up saying I took mm-hmm. life coaching, but then the sales part got way too hard and heavy. So I'm not in that anymore. Still love it. It was beneficial for them mm-hmm. to go through it and to learn it. So like, how how do you think about sales and getting new clients and all of that stuff, uh, especially moving to a know, different country? So it's interesting for me. I have had to just lean into trust because um, in my life, every time that I've really felt moved to do something, like doors have opened and I don't exactly know how all of that's going to unfold, but I know that it will. And like, it's been amazing how like the universe has just brought all of these different people, these coaches into my life, like right at this moment where I'm really like, okay, I'm going to dive into life coaching. And then all of a sudden I have this whole support group. And, um, and I feel like I just have to trust that those things will work out. Um, I'm not exactly sure how that's going to look. I can't, um, exactly tell you. I know that I really would like to do, so we're moving in um, March the 4th and I'd like to do as much in-person networking as I can um, between now and March so that I can really, you know, get the word out there um, and be as proactive as, as I can. Um, I love like Google AdWords and I do a lot of um, online posting um, through my blog, my life coaching blog. You do some um, Facebook stuff too. And most of the blog posts that I do, I will recreate those blog posts on my Facebook and I use Instagram and I'll also do LinkedIn. So I kind of just like um, yeah. recreate them for those different um, platforms. And um, although I have accidentally built my LinkedIn to be more of a music LinkedIn nice. um, than life coaching. So yeah, I, I use that for like my music videos and that type of thing. Um I have done some paid ads in the past and in doing that um, when I was kind of learning and not really sure how it all worked. Um, Yeah. So that's why I said accidentally. (laughs) (laughs) I have a pretty big following, but most of them are musicians. It's not a bad thing. No. So yeah. yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, You have other question, babe? No. Oh, I have a question for you. (laughs) I love this. This Um, rarely happens. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so this is the question. What is the most impactful advice you've ever received? And I hope you don't ask me because I didn't think of an answer. (laughs) (laughs) Most impactful. Mm. There's a lot. I feel like that should come to mind immediately. (laughs) 
It's not. That's okay. Um, friend Joe, I think if there's probably good advice that's been passed on <laughs> to probably either of us, it came from Joe. Maybe not though, but um, he he was a kind of mentor, best friend. That situation, somebody who passed away like mm-hmm. unexpectedly in a pretty messed up way where you're like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Um, you telling your story about being on the trampoline as a family together. I was like, man, that would have been a way better scenario to receive a call in <laughs> than, <Yeah. laughs> than just kind of waking up in the morning to a phone call where you're like, oh, no. Um, he had a couple of phrases that I felt like have helped me navigate some things. Uh, just things to be aware of yeah. is, is one that he was kind of well known for was, um, you know, foundation of, of <laughs> friendship is, is I'm an ass and you're an ass. So now we can approach this thing. Well, yes. <laughs> like mm-hmm. recognizing I that. Love it. that was a fun one. And then he always is a huge uh, proponent of humility. Like mm-hmm. you do the job of humbling yourself and, mm-hmm. and let, other things do the honoring piece and making sure the recognition comes like you don't worry about that part just humble yourself mm-hmm. and do the things you know you're supposed to do and I was like, oh it's been helpful at times mm-hmm. that's good um and it's tied to joe but outside of that just this truth that it's coming you know, from other places too. Um, and one would be just to be a learner, to never mm-hmm. stop learning. Um, and the other part I would say just has been most significant. Um, oh, I forget the question you said, the most important or no, the most impactful, impactful advice you've been mm-hmm. given. Um, I guess... I don't know if it's advice or just this. I feel like it's this truth that is ringing out in me again is, and especially as a parent is just knowing that you're loved mm-hmm. and believing that you're loved. Um, mm-hmm. And just that, that um, really determines a lot of your, yeah, energy, your yeah. thoughts and the way you go through life and yeah. and who you are. Um, yeah. And that's like, just thinking about my kids. I, that's, I just want them to know that they're loved and that, yeah. Yeah. And it's nice because when you are in that place, then like when you feel how much you're loved, then it's going to flow onto others. And, um, and in a marriage, like when two people have been together for quite a while, your energies sink, right? So, um, it becomes harder to distinguish between each other's energies. And that means that if you are very, um, if you have a lot of negative self-talk, then you're going to be reflecting that on the other person because you think so, even if you, you're not conscious of this, but in a marriage, like you're going to be reflecting that on your partner. And so in doing that, <laughs> like working it through with yourself, like it will reflect onto others. Yeah, um, yeah that's definitely caused a lot of downward spiraling for us. Oh, totally. In our marriage. I've got such a good shame voice in my head. <laughs> and not just saying from you. I, was I know. From both of us, just me being unaware of that and thinking how. Yeah. Not thinking of how this is going to affect you. Um, yeah. You can always, I can always tell like, you know, because when Ryan has a bad day and I'm sure it's the same way for him. And it's like just 
becoming aware, like bringing awareness in really helps the situation so much. Another thing I've been thinking a lot about is judgment. Um, So um, you cannot help someone if you're judging them. Oh, man. Right? And just that it's very simple, but yet it's so impactful. And so many times we're so unaware of how we're judging other people. Um, And but if we truly want to be helping, like you can't. Yeah. Like the instant you start helping or start judging them, like the energies are in different places. So there's right. no possible way you can be a help to them. Right. Mm. It's amazing. And if you're really judgmental towards yourself, then you it, are going to be judgmental <laughs> towards oh, others. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you that can't turn that off. Yeah. Self compassion. Yep. Yeah. And I always like think of, you know, the golden rule do unto others as you would do to you. But if you reverse that, do unto yourself as you would do unto others. Yep works mm-hmm. man um i just noticed the fan pulled in do you want to figure out how to wind this yeah down? let's do it okay i don't know how to wind it down there's still so many questions i want to <laughs> ask you <laughs> it's all good um let's do this one what are you convinced of what am i convinced of um ooh, so i am convinced that People are usually good at their core. And I think that part of this is like in traveling, right? I've traveled a lot. I've lived with a lot of different families. Mm. And um, and it's interesting in this world that we're living in, especially in the United States right now, with like the conservative and the um, democratic <sighs> sides being so completely the opposite. Yeah. Um, if you got to know both sides, you mm-hmm. would realize that they're both motivated out of love. You know, and they both have such opposing ideas, you know, like, but the end result is love. The core is love. And, um, and I think that people are, are usually good at the core. And, you know, unfortunately some people have been dealt very, very hard cards in life. And, um, so many times when we are around those people with, whether it be we're driving down the road and, you know, they make you mad because they're, you know, um, I don't know blowing their horn or whatever, just like so many different instances in our lives where we are able to be riled up because of someone else. Um, and just remembering that, um, like, Hey, this person is good at their core. They've probably had a really bad day. And, you know, bringing in that, that compassion I think is huge. Um, yeah. What else am I, um, convinced of? Um, well, I, I mentioned earlier, like, that words create. And like, that's been something that I've been really focusing on in my life recently. Um, and this thought that when we're speaking, if we use the word, but after we've said something, it completely contradicts what we just said. (laughs) And so I have been trying to omit that word, but, um, that's been a huge one. Um, and then just being really aware of, um, what type of environment I'm creating through my words. Yeah. So yeah. That's cool. There's a question that, what question would you like to put out there to this audience, uh, whoever's listening? Ooh, oh, that I was going to ask the same one. What is the most impactful advice that you've ever received? I think okay. that that would be reflect on that. Here, yeah, yeah, that's cool. I do love you, it. Do you have an example or some some impactful advice that you've been advice? given? That, yeah, that for Ooh. yourself that stuck with you. For them to be the most. But. Yeah, I'm trying. to think I I feel like I've said a lot of the things that yeah. um have been impactful. Um my mom growing up would always say like any time um 
I would be leaving her like for a trip or whatever. Um, and also I was, I did go to school in eighth grade. And so every time she dropped me off at school, she would say, remember who you are. And such a simple little Mm. thought. Um, but I've thought about that throughout my life. Like, who am I? And wanting Mm. to make sure that the people that I am around are not influencing me at my core. Mm. Like it's great to learn things from other people, but I, I never want to change because of someone else. I always want to be authentically me. Um, and so just remembering who I am and what I stand for and not allowing any experience or person to take that away. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, grounded. Oh, you have a question. The question that you're going to ask about 2019. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting back there. 2019. Oh yeah. Um, we'll wind down the podcast. Then I'll fire that one off to you. Um, where do people follow you? Okay. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Lydia Keeney and Facebook, Lydia Keeney, Instagram, Lydia, the life coach, um, or think outside the tent. Oh yeah. Um, That's my hiking and my Paraguay adventures. You can find on that. Um, any podcast, um, app, you can find me at dialectable and I think that's it. That's awesome. Yeah. My, um, I'm sorry. You might have to edit this out. Um, my website is a happy place dot today. Okay, cool. And that's how people could potentially get connected to life coaching or piano lessons too. My piano lessons. Sorry. I have so many. I love it. That's good. (laughs) Oh goodness. (laughs) Um, it's gifted ear music studio.com. Okay. Mm -hmm. And YouTube gifted ear music studio. Sweet. Thank you so much. You're welcome. This, this has been a pleasure. I love it. You're it's great really good at you. this. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Follower, check her out.